on the Rebel Sports Network. From Learfield, this is the Marcus Arroyo Show, brought to you by Fenley Chevrolet. Fenley Chevrolet is your home of the Woo, located on the 215 Beltway between Rainbow and Jones. And by Dos Equis, a proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. This is your home for the UNLV Rebels. Now, here are your hosts, Caleb Herring and the voice of the Rebels, Russ Langer. And a hearty welcome to you on today's edition of the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show. Uh, yours truly, Russ Langer, along with Caleb Herring and the coach, Steve Cofield's out on assignment for today. So it's just the three of us for this one. And the Rebels, of course, coming off a loss in Hawaii and getting set for their last regular season game this Saturday, 3 o'clock kickoff, 2.30 pregame show. And Caleb and I will be describing the action the, for the Rebels, the big rivalry game against the Wolfpack of Reno. Coach, how you doing? Good. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great, Coach. It's it's a good week. It's a good week uh, for a lot of different reasons. Thanksgiving's around the corner. It's rivalry week. I'm excited about it. Um, but there's there's a lot of reasons to be having to go. How's practice been going this week? Really good, man. Really good. We've had a, we've had a, um, some real some real good conversations and topics and and, and senior moments and uh, a lot of things to be thankful for and a lot of things to be motivated for. So it's been really good. Coach, can you put your finger on some of the things that can point to what might have inhibited the team over the past six games? Uh, you know, there's not just one thing. There's, there's a lot of little things. You get you get banged up injuries, uh, number one, and that's the reality of it. Those aren't excuses. That's the reality. Um, we lost a lot of our production. And it's happened in a few different times, unfortunately. It's happened with our wide receiver group. It's happened with our DB group last week. It's happened with our line uh, different times. And I think the inconsistencies with, with that and the execution on – on, on some keys to victory there, uh, put you in a situation that makes it hard to overcome in, in college football. And uh, we got to make sure we, we, we get more battle tested uh, with our depth and, uh, and, continue to, and continue to work. Man. Obviously, uh, the, the depth and the team was challenged in Hawaii, the most recent game. Uh, there's some things to learn from, and I, we'll dive into some of the X's and O's and of that game. Um, but some of the things about the trip that uh, I wanted to, to, to point out and kind of peel back the curtain a little bit were – some of the precautions and the steps you take to minimize distractions. And that, one of the things uh, was the, the in-flight procedure. And I, it was unique and different because almost as soon as the, the seatbelt sign went off, the training staff was up and getting to players and getting a treatment session in while in flight. Is that something that's normal? Is that just something you tried to do to minimize the impact of the travel to Hawaii? Yeah, uh, we've done that a, a couple other places um, and did the NFL for a couple trips, uh, there's just so many modalities now in regards to what you can do on long trips. Um, albeit, uh, some of the science we've gotten firefly stuff, which is muscle stimulators, whether it's uh, the air boots and casts we've got. Uh, so we had a pretty, a pretty intense plan that uh, allowed our guys to get basically rehab and regenerated on the plane and on the flight. And so um, it was something we wanted to do. We'd have done it regardless of when we left. Um, simply planned out early on in the season. Um, and I just think anything that like that that we can do science-wise that we believe can give us give our guys a recovery, especially late in the season, um, we're willing to try. And once arriving on the islands, I noticed something uh, being in Hawaii that uh, I maybe didn't anticipate was that the state playoffs were going on. Hawaii was in full swing with high school football, and it dawned on me, it came to mind that that might be a tough place to travel as far as the recruiting trail. Um, did you notice or pay attention to any of the high school games going on in the island on that Friday night? 
Yeah, we did. We've got we had a, a couple coaches at at one of the games there uh, where we've got uh, one of our guys, uh, which is exciting. So we got a chance to see them and and uh, and watch him for. I think I got there for a half by the time they got there and uh, and they get back from meeting. So um, we definitely use the trip uh, to our advantage when it comes to being able to have guys from from the island. Some of those guys got a chance also to get back. How big was it for them? Because I'm sure it's few and far between that they get to get back to the island. Talking about Cam Friel and, and Leaf, was their time cut out for them maybe to visit with family for a brief moment at the hotels? Yeah, each weekend for our, for our visits on the road, we, we, we pencil out. Um, I pencil out a couple hours here and there, whether the day we arrive or the day, the day early in the morning uh, before we get going to meetings where – I think it's important players that they have family at games on road trips or they're in cities where they've got family that you allow them to see them. Um, sometimes it's hard for a lot of families. You, Hawaii is a great example where they can't always get over here and see their guys. So there was a lot of family members for, for a few of those guys who were from there. Um, they got a chance to come by the hotel and they got to visit and see, see their loved ones. So I think that was uh, pretty cool. And diving into the action on Saturday, obviously a, a, a disappointing loss uh, for a lot of reasons, um, but at the start of the game, it seemed like the Rebels came out with the right intensity and the right fire. Did you feel that that fire faded as the game went on? I know offensively you started off with a, a pretty nice commanding drive that got down to the red zone pretty quickly, but it seemed like the intensity kind of tapered off as the game progressed. Yeah, I think, I think we got off to a good start and did some good things, moved the ball and, and effectively in some, in some times there that was good. Um, and over the course of the, of the game, we just didn't have the killer instinct that we had displayed before. And... Uh, Obviously, that, that you can't have that on the road versus a team on senior night that plays well at their place uh, in a situation we're in. And so, obviously, disappointed. The fire that Hawaii played with being senior night was, was evident. I think there was points in the game where maybe you thought you threw a punch and reclaimed the lead and that knockout blow maybe was coming. Do you think the team was anticipating a rollover maybe for Hawaii given they had a rough season? No, I, if they did, they did that on their own. There was, there was nothing message like that all week. Uh, it was actually the opposite of that and how, how important it was to go over there and um, try to message these guys how different they play over there, um, how excited they'll be for their senior night, um, how excited they'd be to, to be in the situation there and to play us at that time. And, uh, and obviously to do more is, is on my list of things to do postseason is find out what I could have done more to, to make sure these guys understood the urgency um, and, and, and point of focus that we needed to have that, that wasn't there. So that's a, a postseason analysis of, of that's the top of the list. And we touched on a little bit that the big drive early and then the red zone success or lack of success in the red zone has been kind of a common theme for the last few weeks. And I kind of wanted to touch on the mindset of red zone football a little bit here. Do you think that the, the effects of the between the 20 success, and you talk about open field when you're moving the ball, explosive plays, ripping off chunks of yardage, that there's a mindset that has to change in the red zone? And, and how do you really cater to that or coach to that um, and, and get that more efficient short yarded situation offense? Uh, I mean, everyone's a little bit different how they deal with it, uh, depending on their scheme, um, whether you're run, play action, and, and quarterback-driven uh, system like we are, guys understanding the time and distance in that area and, and, and what you can get that's different in the open field is, is, a, is a learned deal. And so being able to execute down there, there's a, there's a closer proximity to everything. You're going to get some potential unscouted look, which, which we've had on a couple of different instances. And uh, if you don't if you don't have the, the right execution on those plays, you'll, you'll see them again. And so there's a couple of things that our guys are starting to understand teams are doing on unscouted looks. We've got to be prepared for and you've got to have a killer mindset in regards to maybe an extra guy, you know, down there. There's got to be a hat. There's a hat for hat sometimes down there. And when those safeties aren't allowed to be, be deep and 
Um, there's certain things you got to do when time and distance. And so we've got to improve that for sure to make sure we're getting sevens like we, were at, like we had before. Coach, uh, you had made the point before that obviously there's been a lot of talked and said about come any team, the Rebels or anybody else going to Hawaii and some of the things involved with that. But uh, it would seem like the, the, the Hawaii team plays differently at home than sometimes they do on the mainland. Can you address that? Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know why that is. Like, it's something that I, that they'd have to explain. I'd be just pontificating on something I don't know about. Um, I just know that there's there those guys are in their home place. They play well um, when they're there. They play tough. They play physical. They play fast. Um, for what reasons I don't know, but you try to get guys to understand that, and uh, and and you got to do your your best job to to get guys prepared in regards to what they may see on film and an away game, maybe a little different than a home game. Looking at the the game and how it unfolded, there was a it seemed like from my perspective an an, an intentional effort to use Doug uh, on designed run plays or put him in the run game as a threat as a runner early. Is that just a product of you know his health coming back and coming off the injury with the concussion, feeling more comfortable with him on the edge, or or is that something that provides an other schematic advantage for the offense? Um, you know, a little bit of both. We're not we're not going to run him on uh, you know as a quarterback run driven offense, but we're definitely going to use him like we have during the course of the season to to make the numbers equal. Now, if we feel we can get Doug on the edge on edge on 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 read zones or seal plays and and things where we can have an escort in front of him um, and manipulate the defense and, and give us an advantage in certain defenses, then it's something we've done all season. You know, certain defenses give it to you, some don't. Uh, depending on exactly what they're running. So we've got a guy who does a good job in, in that zone read scheme and some of the things we can do with him and, and get and get some yards and, and, and have to make the defense account for him. So um, you've, seen a, you've seen a little bit all season, uh, but we do try to protect him the best we can just because you only got one, and that's usually usually the case with, with most good quarterbacks. Coach, uh, you talked about uh, the injuries and some of the challenges along those lines. Can you give us an evaluation of what you saw at a DJ Stuckey on the line? Yeah, DJ was put in a situation, got a start for the first time, and he was put up against a really good de- defensive front. And uh, I think he learned a lot in that game. You know, learned a lot at this level of the speed and intensity and, and toughness, uh, the adjustments, how fast things happen. So uh, I'm sure that, you know, obviously there's an opportunity this week if he gets in there to, to go. Um, but you saw that, 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 that those are hard. Those are hard to get in there when you plug and play in the, on the five-man front there on our offensive line. That's the chemistry that, that we alluded to, I think, even the last couple of weeks in regards to when guys change over. So um, it's unfortunate we had that change in the lineup that, 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 that lacked some of the chemistry. But, um, you know, I think he gave us his best effort. There's, there's a lot of changes during the game that were necessary because of, of injury and a lot of adjustments that were had, that had to be made. And, Focus became a point of emphasis, I'm sure, during the game, but post-game especially, players and coaches alike. How, how much does it impact the focus on the game plan or that, that, that communication when the injury happens in-game? Like, Jare went out, Noel went out, uh, Ricky went out during time. How much do those in-game injuries really take a toll on the focus of the team overall? Uh, it's a huge impact. I mean, those are, the, those are the guys that got, you know, 95% of all the, the number one reps um, you know, oh, shoot, most of the season, if definitely the week. And so uh, I think that the, 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 men, the, the mental part of the game when it comes to what your team sees when most when three guys go out that have had the most reps and then you've got to be able to uh, adjust your defense, adjust your calls, coach on the fly on guys who have hard, who had very minimal reps, puts you, puts you at a disadvantage. And so you hope that you can shrink, you, you've got that gap shrunk between the starter and the backup guy. And, and it's apparent to us this season, obviously, in our second full season with our roster and the 30 new guys that, that we've got a lot of work to do with the gaps between one and twos. And it's bit us uh, quite a few times. 
Marcus Arroyo Radio Show that we've wrapped up our first segment. After a timeout, we'll come back a lot more with the head coach of the UNLV football squad. Right now, Rebel fans, Lake Mead is at historic lows. Change your watering clock to your three assigned days per week now. It's the law. Find your fall mandatory watering days at snwa.com, snwa.com. This is the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. It's the UNLV Football Coaches Show with head coach Marcus Arroyo on ESPN Las Vegas. Friends, the friendly staff at Pueblo Medical Imaging is eager to take care of all your radiology needs, and they offer same-day, next-day availability. With top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art equipment, they're open seven days a week with early morning and evening appointments to accommodate all patient schedules. Rebels coming back from Hawaii to the mainland and getting set for this Saturday's regular season finale at Allegiant Stadium. And it's the big one, the rivalry game, the one that everybody gets their red pens out and circles the date every year against the Wolfpack of Reno. Three o'clock kickoff as we visit with head coach Marcus Arroyo. Caleb? Yeah, we got some some football to talk here, and I, this is not necessarily aimed directly at the Hawaii game, but just some of the things that are common themes in football that I want to kind of pick coach's brain about here. Um, and, and one of those things is playing from behind the chains. And I, I've noticed in my years watching, playing, uh, being around football that overcoming being behind the chains is one of the hardest things to do. And there's, there's a certain art and a mindset to a coach. And I wonder if you can allude to what that is and what, what it takes to overcome playing from behind the chains. We're talking first and 15, first and 20, second and 15, things like that, where you're off schedule as an offense. What does it take to overcome that uh, to get the goal of a first down? Well, I think you got to start with kind of explaining what on schedule is. On schedule is meaning in first and second down efficiencies puts you in position to where if you've got to be in a third down, um, that it's manageable. You hear that word a lot thrown around manageable means you're in third and, you know, five, six, seven, whatever it may be, maybe obviously less than that, ones, twos, and threes are where you ideally need to be. Um, when you put yourself behind the chains, whether it be first and long, second and long, or third and long, the percentage of getting those goes way down. Um, you put yourself in predictable um, schemes. You put yourself in, in, in situations where um, you, you may be exposing yourself to certain things you, you don't do well. But the reality of that is um, first and second down is, is where you've got to execute. And our guys understand that now. It's not always imperfect. You've got to create fail points as you prepare um, your, your offense and your team and the mentality of, of young players in every position and understand that if you are behind there, how do you manage to get yourself out of the hole? Um, how do you put yourself in a first and from a first and long to a second and manageable and get half the distance? And how to use check downs and how to be composed in those situations? And and uh, and I think managing that is a, is a learned trait. That's a that's a ton of experience. That that experience takes some time. Um, and you see older guys with more experience really manage situations like that better. I use the NFL for an example. There's you know guys who understand that situation. There's a lot of management in there. And they they really know exactly what has to happen on on those situations and they do it effectively in college. It's a little bit harder because guys don't have that experience. So um, you're definitely teaching that on a daily basis. When, when I was playing there, there was a temptation and I, it happened to me, especially late in my career when I got a, a better, deeper understanding of the playbooks and system, there was a kind of a temptation to play the game for third down. And in doing that, I know one of the, the detriments in my game was I lost aggressiveness on first and de- second down as a play caller and as a coach and as a former quarterback, do you, did you find that dilemma being relevant or you maybe because of what you're saying about staying ahead of the chains and being on schedule on first and second, you play more conservatively. So, you know, you're looking for three, four yards on first down instead of looking to take shots downfield on early downs. 
Uh, no, I, I think that that may happen at certain times when maybe, you know, I, I'm using examples in the past, you know, 20 years or whatever of times when you do that, maybe we don't have the personnel to really be that exp- you feel comfortable being explosive and aggressive on first and second down. So you're trying to manage the game or, or if there's games or situations that come up, but, uh, no, I, I think we're probably the other side. Um, um, we're not playing for third down. My guys understand P and 10, like as, as, as a big deal, we coach it a lot in our, in our system, um, because it's such a, it's such a big deal. Um, they understand first and second down execution. Um, you know, percentage of drives where, you know, you get two first downs. I mean, second down plays getting first downs. I mean, it's a big deal for us. I think, you know, one of the numbers you, you try to hit up around 35, if you can get up around 35% of your, your second down calls, getting first downs, you're staying aggressive. And that's kind of a number I've always kept to myself in regards to like, um, not being not being scared to, to play aggressive, um, and I think we're seeing some of that on first and second down calls. And 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 again, it's up to the quarterback to kind of manage that. I don't I don't ever want to pull their stingers either because if you start playing kind of the way you described, you kind of just start playing slow and and really being uh, playing playing. I guess maybe a little more defensively, offensively, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so. No, I, I believe in the other. I believe in first and second down being aggressive. And I think we're, you know, we're on track right now. I think we're, I think in the first, uh, I'm trying to rack up the top of my head, when you're growing the system, I think right now we're up around 36% on second downs, get first down. So that's a good, I like I like the aggressiveness on second down. I think we, last year was like 24% or something. So we're up around plus 11% on our second downs, get first. So we're playing more effective football, aggressive on first and second down. And that, that matters. The things that have put us in third and long in a lot of situations have been execution errors, maybe on a uh, pass protection or a, or, or a, or a mistake or a penalty, you know, penalties bit us hard last, last week. Um, you know, and, and those have been, those have been something we were good at before. So those are, those are the top of my list as well, but self-inflicted wounds usually are the ones that you hate most. And talking about some of the, the defensive, prowess and I, I know it's important we talk about the game through the lens of an offense all the time because I'm a quarterback that's just where I live that's my my comfort zone but down the stretch in, in in games and when games get tight and it's tight one possession games in the fourth quarter like the Hawaii ball game was um the defense actually was able to be in a position to make key plays the first scoop and score fumble of the season uh, a double scoop by Elijah so there's there's some anxiety just hoping he get on the ball uh, with that one, but um, getting the defense involved in and being able to force the issue and make the play to be game changers. How important is it to to see the defense one do that and and be able to trust them in situations where they need to come through and be the spark for the team? It was really good to see that in a game. You know, I think those are all opportunities that we take and we coach and we get back to, and you just keep continuing to grow your your culture and, and teaching the progression. Um, when either side or any phase has to be able to complete a game. You can go back and look over the course of the game, the season, and I won't do that, but two instances are San Diego State, we need to stop because we need to move the ball on offense, go get it. We didn't. Last week, defense made a stop, got the ball on offense, we need to go down and, and do it. At one, side, at one form or fashion in close games, um, you'd like both sides to respond, obviously, but one has got to be able to say, hey, if you guys don't do it, we can't. And um, I think, that, again, that's just more coming down to continuing to grow and continue to teach each other with expectations of, of what needs to happen in those games and, and have a killer instinct and experience to know that, that, that at any point, if my number's called, i got to be able to, to answer the bell. And a couple of players whose numbers were called, and, and it came through offensively, Kyle Williams, over 100 yards. It seemed it felt like a breakout game for him. I know he had a couple of drops throughout the year and never really caught his rhythm with injury and things like that, but he had a big game. Uh, from a from a production standpoint, going over 100 yards receiving in that game. Yeah, Kyle did a nice job. You know, Kyle's 
he's he's bang, he's, he's worked through and, and he's he kind of he's grinded through the season. Um, it's been tough with this with, with the injury, but you know he did a really nice job and he's an effective guy who can be who can be really explosive for us when he when he's full speed and um, you know him and AJ both had really really big games. Um, Jeff had his first touchdown too, but you know which is something we saw. And, um, but Kyle's a, a big piece of what we do and will continue to be. You talked about Jeff briefly, and he, he dusted his shoulder off, kind of letting everybody know that that arm's feeling good after he got the touchdown. How big is it for a guy like him who's who's been so committed throughout the season, even when he's not there with injury? How big was it for him to get in the end zone? I always think that's a cool moment for players to score their first touchdowns on that offensive side. Yeah, yeah, it's really neat because it's it's, it's well earned. I mean, he's the hardest worker on our, in our program, probably uh, one of for sure. And um, we we really really missed him over the course of the season, but it's good to see him back and and run around making plays. And you touched on uh, Austin Ajake also. AJ, a big time game with 15 tackles and just seemed to be uh, maintaining a solid level of intensity throughout. Yeah, he's done a nice job. Obviously, done a nice job all season and in, in, in the things he's done. Um, throughout the throughout the time of the conference, obviously, and, and throughout the season, so um, big, big, big night, big night for him then, and then a huge night this week. And, and one of our major focal points as we head in this week is is him and the rest of those seniors. I know, I know, weather is is a, is a factor always, and I, I just had to bring it up because this is probably, at least in my career, probably the the craziest cycle of weather that I've been a part of and watched happen live, and. You know, you want to limit distractions, and, and there's no excuses, but have you ever been a part of a game where the weather was that much of a, a random act of God on the field? There's, there was downpour, dry spells. It was just crazy all night. No, that tropical thing. I mean, we've had a couple of tropical games. Obviously, I lived in Florida for, for quite a while. Um, I've lived in Texas. I've lived in Mississippi. Um, we've had some some definitely – I've been a part of a lot of weather in the course of 20 years for sure. Laramie, Wyoming, I mean, you name it. I've seen it all. Um, but I don't know if I've seen – you know, there's not many where, where it changes like that usually in those other places besides, you know, you get down those tropical places where uh, the storms can come and go. The Floridas, the Mississippis where it come in and blow out real fast. Um, and Hawaii obviously – um, was part of it. You know, we, we did, I did, I did a wet ball drill on Thursday with the guys just to make sure. And sure enough, it, it showed up. Um, you know, it was just, it's just hard to, you can't predict it and you can't bring it to your practice field whenever you do get weather. So you just try to anticipate and get them mentally prepared for it as best you can. The Marcus Royal radio show rolls on. We'll take another timeout and come back with a lot more from the coach as the rebels prepare for the big one. This Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock at Allegiant Stadium against the Wolfpack of Reno. Up your gym at EOS Fitness. A proud partner of UNLV. Join today for as low as $9.99 per month. Come visit online or join at joineos.com. Joineos.com. EOS Fitness. Better gym, better price. Much more with a coach coming up. This is the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. It's the UNLV Football Coaches Show with head coach Marcus Arroyo on ESPN Las Vegas. Head coach Marcus Arroyo along with Caleb Herring and yours truly, Russ Langer, the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show. Coach Daniel Gutierrez, so much has been written and talked about this young man, and he has uh, said that he nearly quit the program on at least two occasions in prior years, and yet he's now the leading scorer in school history and just a, a rock of reliability. What does his level of perseverance and persistence say about him? Well, it says everything, you know, and he's a, it's a direct reflection of, of who Goot is. I don't know the Goot you mentioned about quitting and, and doing that stuff. I, I, that doesn't, uh, I, I don't know that, that Goot. I, I, since I've been here, he's been an awesome young man. 
um, who's been really mentally tough, who's been very diligent. Uh, he's had nothing but commitment and discipline to his to his to his craft, and uh, we've rewarded him. And I think that uh, we, we've encouraged him to be the best version of himself. Uh, we've challenged him. Uh, he knows we count on him, and um, and I think that uh, he's a he's a huge piece of, of what we started here. And it, it's important that, that the players become the best version of themselves, not only on the field but off the field. And there's Guten is one of the examples and. Uh, Paloma Viacana did a great piece, I think, of, of another aspect of the holistic player. Jordan Morgan's nonprofit, Aspire to Inspire, um, and what he was able to do uh, with his influence and his impact as a player and as a young man, uh, visiting Matt Kelly Elementary School, giving the young ones there an opportunity to learn from him and see them as a hero, and him having an impact in the community. That kind of self-initiated, because it's his own nonprofit, and, and it was highlighted in that way. That's just another example of, of good character and being a good guy, I think, on and off the field, being a good reflection in the community. Yeah, Jordan's, Jordan's deal shows, shows an incredible amount of, you know, when we first met him, you could see the maturity, um, you could see the low ego, you could see the unselfishness and the, and, and the wantingness to be uh, more, than a, more than a player. And I think that that's a huge piece of what we try to get guys to understand. You know, you're a person over a player. And, um, and I think supporting that and, and developing that and our player development and, and encouraging him and supporting him uh, in every which way we can and him and anybody else um, is a big deal because there's going to be a lot more times in their lives for things after football that, that I think if we can help mature and maturate in regards to whatever we can do to push them forward or answer their questions or, in, you know, like put them in situations where uh, they can have a positive influence on their family, life, community, um, and anybody else uh, we support. I remember there was a time, and this is back in my day, where these were more team-oriented activities, where it was the team picking up and going somewhere, where it was the team decided. But with the player empowerment movement um, and the way things are now, how much of this is more of a reflection of the individual, where the player has you know, their own interests and their own desires and how they want to impact things, and they can kind of go freelance it, or is it still very much organized through team-sponsored activity? No, it's it's too prong really for us. It, it, the team sponsored activities that we try to get guys um, engaged in is usually off season because you just the time, and so that first prong for team involvement and 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 culture and community and service um, that we believe we can help shape, um, albeit contributions during holidays, albeit build a bed, albeit things we can get out and do, um, going to schools, reading, all that stuff. That's all that's all out of the season stuff that that I want we want players to have touched. In season now, you're seeing, and, and I think what you're alluding to really is nowadays is, you know, we're pushing guys in regards to if there's something they're interested in something, the access they have nowadays uh, through social media, through they have through people in cities that we promote, um, that effort that we make to say, hey, get out in public and, and introduce yourself, or here's someone that you may didn't know, um, and not to mention NIL, are all things that, can, that players can do individually that are really helping. And there's a, a brief window, and you touched on this during the press conference briefly, and it's something that resonated with me because I've been in the shoes of a, of a player and uh, the brief window that you have to make that kind of impact as a player. Um, and when it's over, it's over. And you, you briefly touched on it because it's a unique experience with football um, and it, because it happens so much earlier in your life, and that's kind of one of the things I pinpointed. Um, one, I wanted to ask you, do you remember your last game as a player? And this is – with senior night coming up in mind and thinking about the players and their impact and the window that they have to make that impact. Do you remember your last game as a player? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. I think it was, uh, well, I know it was, it was Fresno it was at our, at our place. Um, 
And uh, that season was a, was a fun season, man. It was back and forth. I got a little banged up. Uh, I think Scott played that game a little bit. Um, and uh, we won six games. It was, it was, it was unfortunate. We were bowl eligible and they, and they, and they, they screwed us over and we didn't get a chance to go to bowl. So pretty upset in that regard. I think it happened twice. I think in our career with seven and a six game win game season, wow. but regardless of that, um, I do. I do. And I, I think more than anything, I don't, you know, I might not remember the specifics of that game, even though I think it was a three point loss to Fresno at our place. Um, some things I wish to forget, but some things my mind won't let me. Um, <laughs> I think I, uh, the thing I, the thing I remember is I just remember that season saying, Oh my gosh, this is it. Like this happened fast. And you build a relationship in football with a hundred guys in a locker room that you won't get the rest of your life. As soon as it's over, you go to work, you build a family, you're in an office, you're on the hunt, you're slapping pavement to work. You're, you're not in a locker room with a hundred people working in the same, in the same fashion. And when you do, if you do get in an organization with a lot of people, they've got families, they've got kids, they've got all their responsibilities. And so it's not the same engagement. It's not the same touch. And so it's constantly something that, that I feel really important about telling these guys and, and important on them because and it's tireless because they don't get it. I didn't get it. They don't, they won't get it. You just got to keep reminding them and keep giving examples that this is a really uh, unique and 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 serious situation and important. And you got to love it, man. And you got to enjoy it. And I think that um, that's probably why we're never we're never high in the too high in the high and low in the lows, man. Because there's going to be fail points and everything. And it doesn't mean a fail point in life doesn't mean a fail failed life. And a fail point in the season doesn't mean a failed career. Um, and so I think that keeping that mindfulness about things and in keeping things zoomed in and in front of us, um, when it comes to articulating, Hey man, there's a, there's a window in your life where you got a chance to, to make a difference and do some special things. Um, ignore this, ignore, ignore the noise, starve your distractions and, and, and take advantage of it. And that's always hard as you know, and when you're a young guy, there's just a lot of stuff you're, you're into. Yeah. I, I, I remember my last game, it was probably one of Maybe two times I cried publicly once I realized that feeling of it hitting you that this is the last time I'm taking a game jersey off. It's, yep. it's bittersweet because all the, the, the memories flood um, and you appreciate the time more in that moment, but it's, it's over. Um, so it's, it's a tough one, and I, I always think of that. It's been every year for me doing this where I, I take a moment to think about the seniors and, um, and obviously with Senior Week. Is there anything uh, that you can do? I know limit the distractions for the game. The focus is the game, but – being such a special moment, is there anything done uh, this week that you can that you can point to to honor the seniors as they they make that transition? Um, yeah, I mean we try to do. These guys know. I walked right in the team meeting as soon as this, as soon as this that game was over. We showed up here. We got her back late, and that is the first thing we said. I said that nothing matters right here. I said one thousand percent of my energy, my love, and my focus is on three things. I said senior night, and I listed every single one of them, Nick, Kuwait, Kobe, Austin, Rex, DJ, Ilial, Tavis, and Davion and Daniel. I said that's the most important thing on my mind. My wife knows. My family knows. They know right now I am 1,000% absolutely soaked into these guys and uh, in this program. Number two is this canon and college football rivalry, the team legacy, your city, your school, your alumni, your pride, your chance to paint this thing together and have something you'll never forget, and then finishing. And, and for the underclassmen to finish on the right note and set the tone for the season, those are the only three things that these guys got on Sunday. And it was the only thing I let them think about every day. I've had the three seniors talk every day about what they want from us, what we can give them each day. And um, that is 1,000% the focus of football team. And we've had two good days that have been very – have been emotional and, and have been 
um, very passionate in regards to just being focused on us, man. And uh, I think that, I, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, humbled by their effort. And I have to ask, because you mentioned some of the names in the senior group and some, some guys we've gotten to know over the years. Is there any coaches, future coaches? I know coaching is a gift, but is, is, is there any potential <laughs> coaches out there uh, among those it's seniors that, that could potentially uh, make the, the, their, their way into the coaching ranks? Uh, you know, there, a lot of those guys in that class are, uh, and a lot of guys, once they get to be seniors in college football, have um, an innate ability to kind of deal with people because of just the time you've, you've done it. You know, I mean, Nick Williams is a really – uh, it was an example of a guy I could see coaching. Um, but I mean, in those guys, you know, and, and I think that they, they just are able to, to deal. I think Nick or I know AJ could be a heck of a football coach. Um, you know, I think DJ Stucky, I mean, Ilya could be, Ilya will probably do better things for the world than coaching. Um, uh, Tavis, I mean, yeah, I mean, Ilya would be running for president soon. Um, and then, you know, Davion, I mean, Shoot, good. I mean, I hope all these guys aspire to be, you know, uh, to just make an impact um, because that's the only thing coaches want to do at the end of the day. We're just trying to make it better for, for the people around us. And um, and so I, I'm just humbled to be part of it, man. The Marcus Arroyo Radio Show. We've got a couple of segments back uh, coming up with the coach. Meanwhile, UNLV football is coming down the home stretch, and it's time to fire up the furnace in your home. If your heating system may have some trouble coming out of its summer hibernation, give the Yes Man a call to get your system tuned up right away. Call Yes Air Conditioning and Plumbing, 702-888-4937, or visit them at www.theyesmancan.com to set up an appointment today. Back on the other side with more of the Marcus Radio Radio Show, and that's coming up right after this. This is the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. It's the UNLV Football Coaches Show with head coach Marcus Arroyo on ESPN Las Vegas. Rebel fans, it's time for the coaches' look ahead, presented by Pueblo Medical Imaging. The Marcus Arroyo radio show rolling on here with the Russ Langer, yours truly, and, of course, former UNLV quarterback Caleb Herring. Coach, um, to what degree would you say has the program taken ownership of higher expectations now? Well, I mean, there's, I think the, the culture and the kids and the, and the, and, and the coaches and Everyone is a, I think it, it touches, get a chance to be here right now, understands, um, you know, we've set really high expectations and the ownership of getting those things done and the standards it takes and the work it takes um, is hard and it's diligent and it's, it's tireless. Um, and there's a lot of things that come between expectations and, and opportunities there to, to, to punch them in, uh, to punch those opportunities and make them count. And I think that though, that is a, that is a process that is, that is really hard. It's rigorous and it's fun and it's, um, you know, it's fun and it's hard. It's sad. It's, it, it's just really difficult to make sure that when you set expectations and, and if you don't reach them to keep big, grabbing the rope and getting up and, um, we've set them high. And I think that I've, re- I've been really excited about the things we've done, um, when it comes to talent acquisition and, and player development and, and playing better football and playing together. We're not where we want to be yet, but I think, uh, these guys have taken ownership of it. You can see it in the way that, um, they react to, 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 to what we're doing. Um, and they react to each other. And, uh, and I think that that's something to be proud of for these guys. And I think the expectations, and this is a perfect week to kind of put those expectations to the test and, and how they've changed, I guess, over the progression of the program, even during the season. I think the, the, the way the season started, the expectation shifts, and uh, the, the players were, were thrilled about that opportunity. And this rivalry um, with Reno, the team up north, 
is one of those opportunities to kind of change the expectations of what's expected in this rivalry game. What do you expect from an emotional standpoint this game to signify to this team, and, and how can you best prepare them for it? Well, I mean, they, they know that this, is, that, that this task that we're up to is no different than um, in regards to what we're demanding and expecting. And I shouldn't say no different. It's different because it's, it's a rivalry game, and it's a damn big deal to a lot of people, and, and it, that, that's got to mean something. So um, I have really set the bar and set the tempo, and these seniors have set the tempo um, for how important this game is. And managing that is, is up to us coaches. Um, we've cranked up the cranked up the, the, the intensity and what's been asked. I told anybody who's not ready for this type of intensity and this type of game, it's going to be hard making it here. And because uh, this is what we're about, and, and you can't just turn it off, turn it on. There's no there's no lazy days when it, when standards get set really high. It just doesn't. It, it just can't happen. And um, and so doing that day in and day out, these guys have known it's part of this week. Um, I, I'm fired up, man. I, I know these guys are too. To come out and play a physical brand of football um, that leaves that that is that is that, that leaves no question that that what we've what we've done and how we've done it in the past this year at certain times needs to come out and so these guys know that and then and that's that's the drive. And talking about a physical style of football, the opponent obviously um, has a physical style of runner with Toa Tua, and he's a super senior over there, and he's a physical guy. What are some of the challenges his style of play and his style of running? as he's become sort of the feature of the offense, which is different than years past, the, the stable force on the offense. What are, what are some of the challenges he brings? Well, any team that's going to that's gonna run the ball, uh, that as, as their identity, um, you know, similar to how we've done in the past, is telling you that they want to be physical and they're not afraid to, to run at you multiple times and you're going to have the endurance and toughness, um, both mentally, physically, and emotionally, to, to deal with that, um, pounding you. And, 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 and this game is a... It's a violent game, and, and, and I think that you're going to have to bring that to the table. Uh, from the very start, he's a physical running back. You're going to have to tackle well. You're going to have to wrap him up. You've got to get to the ball. You can't. It, it's not, it may not take one guy. It may take us all, and you've got to do that down and down again. And so these guys understand that that is an absolute when it comes to this in this game. Thinking about this game, and I, there's, there's plenty of X and O's, and I, I won't ask you to go into that, but if you could, if you could boil down – what has to happen in this game? What what you expect to see from the guys? What would it take to come out with a win and, and finish with the fifth win of the season in this ballgame with this opponent? What do you want to see executed most on Saturday? Well, I think the ball is the first thing, taking care of the ball and trying to get the ball away and stealing possessions and, and doing a good job um, with, the, with the turnover margin. I think uh, first and second down execution on both sides is going to be huge. And being able to do what we talked about earlier, and that's stay in manageable situations and get them off the field and in negative plays and create havoc like we've done on defense, uh, creating more explosive plays and, and continue to be explosive as we finish out offensively, and then and then on, on the defensive side eliminate those. And that comes into tackling, that comes into to swarm into the ball, that comes into getting in the backfield and hitting the quarterback. Um, and then they know that the last piece is going to be physical if finish. And you got to be physical in this game for four quarters, and you're going to have to finish. There's going to have to be a piece of this that's going to have to finish. And whether you finish this game and knock it out and you've served it and get it um, you know, early on or you do it all right at the end, it's not going to matter. You're going to have to finish this one away all the way to the clock strike zero. Coach, if you could, and not to look too far ahead, but if you could discuss the importance of what a win this Saturday against Reno would do, serving as not just a – a positive ending, but a springboard for the program moving forward. Well, I mean, you know, I have 
to be candid, I'm not, not, I haven't thought about what it would do right, in that, right afterwards or what it would do in the future too much. I just focused, like I said, on the seniors as canon. And I think the one thing I did mention loosely and, and lightly to the guys is, is making sure the underclassmen understand what you mentioned. And that's finishing on a right note, finishing on a high note, going into the offseason. Um, knowing you had, you had some really high, some high moments in the season, making some really good bullet points that we can move on with and going out with a, a rival game W. So that's, there, there's, there's a lot to be said about that. All right, we've got one more segment to go with head coach Marcus Arroyo on the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show. And uh, I'm Russ Langer along with Caleb Herring. We will be back after this timeout for our final moments with head coach Marcus Arroyo as the Rebels prepare to take on the Wolfpack from Reno this Saturday at Legion. Kickoff at 3 p.m. And we'll be back right after this. This is the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. It's the UNLV Football Coaches Show with head coach Marcus Arroyo on ESPN Las Vegas. Hello, Las Vegas. Hello, sunset over the strip. Intermountain Healthcare is here to be a part of your Las Vegas life, and they're here to help you live an even healthier one. Intermountain Healthcare, official healthcare partner of UNLV Athletics, along with Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback. And yours truly, Russ Langer. We've got head coach Marcus Arroyo for our, our final moments. Coach, uh, a win this Saturday afternoon would mean an improvement over last year from two wins to five. To what degree, in your mind, would that be an overall step in the right direction for the program? Well, I mean, for the obvious reasons, obviously, you, I think we've improved in a lot of phases. I think we've improved um, in, in a lot of areas um, that are very easy to see over the course of, of what we've done, and that's on and off the field. Um, and, a, and a win versus is Reno in the end here is just is, is the only focus. And I think it's a huge piece of of showing growth and, and our guys understanding how to finish a season and and to play together and to do something for for something bigger than themselves. And so that's really the attitude we're taking on um, this week. At what point after the season do you engage in a deep dive evaluation into what went right or wrong over the past season? Sunday. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna wait that long huh yeah i'll wait about eight hours <laughs> That's uh, the coach's world right there <laughs> yeah no i mean sunday will be it gets right to it i mean i've got a i've got an eight and a half by 14 sheet in front of me now with with about 50 things to do um none of which I, i'm interested in talking about but um when the, when the season does you know when it's over um, I've got I've got the opportunity to to really step back, take a full down evaluation, start with myself on how we lift this program to to the level I know we're capable of getting to, and not be afraid to make any changes necessary and deliver those expectations for us. Um, you know, and in addition to you get right into recruiting, which I'm excited about, obviously always all the time. Um, but I'll do a sit down with every with every player, all the, the guys who are seniors. I got to do. Um, there's a lot to be done, and, and a lot of things that I, that I enjoy diving into to make it better. Um, and that starts pretty fast our world kind of doesn't stop i know one of the things i'm excited to dive into is, is thanksgiving dinner tomorrow um obviously this is at the time of year where there's a lot going on and as a football player and you've been in the in this business as a player or coach for a long time so thanksgiving and the holiday season is always a little bit of a of a secondary thought but i think it, it is important especially for college players who may be spending thanksgiving away from home for the first time to have some sort of experience uh, and it may be a potential team building experience. Is there anything lined up for those players uh, and for the team for, for Thanksgiving? Yeah. So 
Um, that's what probably the, there was two slides on, on Sunday's meeting. One was about um, what, what our focus was. And then the second piece was making sure that guys uh, knew that I wanted every coach had to get a get the information on, on every player in our program, where they would be for Thanksgiving or where they needed to be or what they needed. And so we've got every single player accounted for. They're either going to a coach's house, they're with their family, well, I've got them set up um, for dinner with their group um, and a team building if they, if they chose to. So we've got all those things covered. I, I've told them that's a really important thing that, that I don't want to, uh, that I'm not turning a blind eye to. There's a lot to be thankful for and a lot of time to be spent with each other during this time and, and to do it during the holidays at the end of the season and, 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 our, and basically our bowl game right here during a holiday for a trophy. I mean, shoot, not a better time to, to, to hang out with each other and bond and, 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 and to finish things strong. Are you getting in the kitchen? Got to put you on spot. Are you are you cooking anything? If I got in the kitchen, you know, you know what kind of stuff you guys would be posting on social media if you t- if I talked about me cooking during <laughs> Reno Week. Come on, man, what are we talking about? I had to ask, Coach. Uh, just just yeah. keeping that in mind. I, the players being together is one of the coolest things. And I, I remember my first Thanksgiving away from home. We did a similar thing where we all met up our position group coaches, and some of the funnest memories that I have of my time were happened at the house at, at my coach. And you, you don't really go over there much uh, <laughs> during the course of your career, but uh, sitting back watching some football together, uh, some of the best memories you make during those experiences. Yeah, you know, I think uh, it, it is important to really have those moments with uh, with your players as a coach. Um, I've done it at other stops uh, throughout my career. I did. I got to do it as a player and go over to your, your coach's house and have dinner and meet their family and hang out with their dogs and kids and, and barbecue and play in their pool and do things that, that really, I think uh, – pulled back the curtains in regards to reminding yourself that, that they're, uh, your coaches are human. They've got families and they're pretty normal. Um, they, they, they've got a, a nice food, nice couch for you to hang out on that maybe not be in your dorm room or, or your little apartment. And so, um, and, and they're away from their families. They get to be in a house in a true home and, and hang out. I think that's our coaches have done that a ton. They know that that's a huge part of what I believe in and to take guys out, have them over, especially during the holidays um, like this um, is an absolute. And so that's why we set up a lot of opportunities for that um, to make sure our players are, are, are with us and, and with our families or somewhere that, that we can make sure that they're, uh, they're together. Coach, we appreciate it very much. And we'll see you Saturday. You got it. Talk to you guys soon. Go Rebels. All right. Head coach Marcus Arroyo, Caleb, we appreciate you and we'll see you Saturday also. Yep, see you there. Looking forward to a good finish. Sounds good. Kickoff this Saturday at 3 o'clock from Allegiant. The Rebels against the Wolfpack of Reno. The Fremont Cannon is hanging in the balance. Get your tickets now at unlvtickets.com, unlvtickets.com, and the pregame show with uh, yours truly. And Caleb will kick right about 2.30. 2.30 pregame for the 3 o'clock kickoff this Saturday from Allegiant Stadium. This is the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show, and this is the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Marcus Arroyo Show, brought to you by Fenley Chevrolet. Fenley Chevrolet is your home of the Woo, located on the 215 Beltway between Rainbow and Jones. And by Dos Equis, a proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Rebel Sports Network.